0: Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast. looking at the INDB's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I am Andrew. And this week we're talking about Pixar's 2003 Andrew Stanton directed classic, Finding Nemo. That's right. Which is um, one of the films, one of the several Pixar films on the list, along with films yeah. like, for example, Wally. Up, uh Inside Out which we've already covered Coco which we've already covered as well at this point so it's safe to say I think Pixar are very well represented on the list
1: I, li- I like that my second contribution is seconding <laughs> 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 to say yes yes we did yeah. I can confirm
0: <laughs> that we did indeed watch this movie all of this movie without any technical interruptions or hitches whatsoever none none I did find the bit where the image just stopped and the sound skipped in the middle of the film. I found it was a very affecting cinematic technique that they employed. It was very cleverly used to sort of draw your attention, take the audience out of the moment in a way that made them really think about the film.
1: Yeah, they didn't
0: didn't reestablish that in Finding Dory. No, sadly not. But I mean, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting because obviously one of the fascinating things about Finding Nemo is that it's arguably the moment, one of the moments where Pixar went truly mainstream. In that it is the moment where Pixar... First of all, it was the highest grossing animated film of all time when it was released. Wow. Yeah. yeah
1: so, like, they hadn't broken through with, with Toy Story. Because I, I, I felt like Toy Story was a bigger thing. But maybe that was because I was in their kind of demographic. At that When state. it was out, yeah. Not,
0: I, not to give away our ages on this, on this no, podcast. They,
1: and, and, like, Monsters University
0: didn't hit... Well, Monsters, Inc. Had, yes. So, I, I beg
1: a I, I, um,
0: I beg your pardon. Monsters, Monsters Incorporated, <laughs> to um, use the full title that is that is bestowed upon it. Well, to be fair, uh, Finding Nemo arrived relatively early in their filmography. So you had Toy Story, you had a Bug's Life, you had Toy Story two, and you had Monsters Inc. beforehand.
1: Yeah, those th- I was th- th- those are the four um, kind of um, advertisements. I think there was five, including Finding Nemo, for like other titles that you can buy on uh, pixar
0: home dvd yeah because i actually have this being a big nerd that i am i have a dvd i bought in 2003 yeah. or 2004 that we we watch for this
1: the thanks we get for paying for
0: this movie
1: as it, we always do
0: uh is that it yeah it was a little bit degraded, did a little bit of skipping in the middle but that's okay i mean that's the use of technology interestingly though when you mention the promos that were on beforehand because it's a lot of disney ones it's really interesting to get a snapshot to go back and watch what's Studios were advertising back when these were originally released. So, kind of straight to video stuff, wasn't it? That is entirely. So, or like,
1: was 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 the bear one? Um, uh, Brother, Brother Bear,
0: starring Joaquin Phoenix. Did that was, a show in cinemas? That did indeed. I remember seeing that, or at least I think I saw that. I I may have that confused with another bear-related animated project that starred Matt Damon. Do you want to go? What were f- you doing watching Brother Bear in two thousand and three? I do have a little sister, Andrew. Okay. Um, I also took her to see Piglet's Big Adventure as well, which was just a thrill for the whole family. Much better than the Tigger movie.
1: No, that 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 actually makes perfect sense. I don't know why <laughs> I didn't figure that out. I suppose it's the fact that your little sister
0: is an adult. Now, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having grown up with this. Funny sort of how time works. Thing. Yeah, and mostly linearly and in a forward motion. But it is kind of interesting in terms of, because like Finding Nemo, not only was it the biggest grossing animated film of all time, it arrived at a point when Disney who at this stage were still partners with Pixar, they were distributing Pixar films, but they didn't entirely own them yet, when they were having difficulty selling their own animated films. So, like, if you try and think back to around about, say, 2000 to 2005, you think about animated Disney films, can you name any off the top of your head from around that time?
1: Um... Uh, uh the Lion King 3 Hakuna Matata
0: yes which is Rosenkrantz and Gildenstern are dead to the Lion King a very
1: hastily
0: uh, <laughs> prepared
1: promo for that movie where they, where they take parts from the Lion King and um overlay a silhouette o- overlay a silhouette of Timon and Pumbaa yeah this this, this is before i i i, I visited um It was in South Africa and I got to eat um, Timon and Pumbaa. Both of them? Both of them.
0: I figure, how's Meerkat? um i i prefer i prefer warthog (laughs) i imagine so warthog sort of imagine sorry this is going to be very interesting podcast about beloved children's classic as we go along we'll be rating each of the characters in finding nemo as foodstuffs yeah um but yeah so this was around the time like while disney were floundering while they were producing stuff like and we we talk about the other trailers we saw on there we saw trailers for mulan 2 for example mulan 2 uh not rouge though unfortunately um the mulan three colors trilogy had not yet kicked into effect (laughs) um but unfortunately you could see disney sort of struggling like the success of finding nemo would be one of the incentives for disney to just buy pixar yeah um and it was that's of, me seconding <laughs> again sorry um but and it was interestingly enough uh, finding nemo is also the first um computer generated animated film by pixar to win the best animated film oscar okay so you want to talk about like breaking through finding nemo is very much like a breakthrough film for pixar Like, if you look at what comes next, you have, like, The Incredibles just down the road. You have Cars after that. Cars is a monster of a film. Like, people who think about Pixar films don't generally think about Cars because it's not very good but it was a film that made the studio a lot of money uh, and it's a film that like kids love and adore and it's the most merchandisable of pixar films
1: yeah because yeah. a, a toy story you would imagine would just be a home run <laughs> yeah. but a, a lot of the toys are already established properties <laughs> yes like you're not going to get any money off sales of barbie dolls or, or mr. mr potato, potato heads
0: yeah. yeah or or rex toys or stuff like that but yeah so it is so you have to invent you have to invent woody and then give him a little family of other toys like yeah. the prospector and stuff like that to make marketable but i do i do kind of find that interesting when you look at finding nemo because being honest <laughs> I want to sell some sinister toys
1: <laughs> yeah. from toy story 2 and 3 voiced
0: by kelsey Grammer, <laughs> kelsey grammar uh, yeah but i do like i'm gonna be honest here i like obviously i like finding nemo a lot i think it's a very touching very affecting film why is that obvious <laughs> why is what obvious i mean, finding finding nemo is a lovable film it's extremely lovable. you don't think it's lovable uh Really? Uh, and, okay. Oh, this is yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah, you know, I I saw Finding Dory recently and I was like, oh, this this isn't really as good as 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 Finding Nemo and it's not really doesn't really say much. And and then and then coming back and watching Finding Nemo is like, oh, I'm I'm am this really isn't having much much of a kind of an impact on me, like either like emotionally or in terms of like the whole spectacle of the thing. Um, I felt like they're they're, they're they they could've, they could have they could have made more of 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 the the opportunity they had where where they had the the the, the basic know. setup of the yeah, film. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, because that that's interesting. You actually just stole my thunder. I was about to say pretty much the same thing. Like, I was, oh, I was going to say that I. <laughs> You're going to second me. I'm going to second you I'm, in an unconventional move for the two fifty. I'm going to say like. I actually, I would disagree. I would say the spectacle of Finding Nemo is amazing. I think it's a very rich, very beautifully animated, colorful film. It moves really, really fast. It's got a great sense of humor. It looks amazing. But for me, it, it, it never really captured, like, the best of Pixar. It's kind of weird to see it ranked on this list, because I would... There will be a number of other Pixar films that are not on the list that I would rank ahead of it. So, yeah, for example, I'd, like The Incredibles.
1: I'd I'd put Wally ahead of this. I'd I'd, I'd put push... Wally.
0: Well, well, is, to be fair, ahead of it on the list and stuff like that. Well, yeah, yeah, but but, it...
1: uh, but um and I'd, I'd, I'd Up certainly. Yeah. Um, I can understand why Up maybe doesn't have the same. Um, impact for, for, for children as this would for, are there children voting watching for, for the, the IMDb 250
0: well certain types of children but um, yeah no because it is and I think maybe that's a factor of it is that like 28 year old children <laughs> mentally we're all about 12 but there is yeah there is an element of that of Pixar being animated films that you can watch with the kids because I mean looking at the list and we talked about this a little bit when we had uh, Graham on with Marianne on talking about your name and you look at the animated films on the list so it's mostly Ghibli Mostly Pixar and just a couple of smattering of Disney films in the oh. 90s, so like Beauty and the Beast and the Lion King and stuff like that.
1: There's six uh, Ghibli ones,
0: are there? Yeah, Yeah. So, I mean, there's a sense that a lot of the animated films on the list are not necessarily films that would be beloved of children. They would be the films that adults had watched either as children, in the case of, say, Beauty and the Beast and the Lion King, which would be just the right age for people who are 28 now to be voting on the list about them. Yeah. And films like Pixar films, which are. One of the things about Pixar and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about inside out is Pixar make movies that adults can watch with their kids and that have sort of like meaning and resonance I think to adults that work just as well as they do for children.
1: Yeah, I wonder I wonder how how much how much is
0: uh, Shrek to thank for that. As 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 in
1: Shre- Shrek um was a big movie that a lot of like teens and grown-ups I guess were we're going to see well m- maybe not so much grown-ups
0: well, parents, tag-along parents. Yeah, so. yeah. But I, I,
1: I remember that at, at, at the time, I was probably in my mid-teens and speaking to people who had seen it and they... Uh, they were saying to me, "Oh, there, there's this, there's there's lots of kind of like double entendres and
0: um, pop culture references." Yeah, wow.
1: yeah. Stuff 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 for um. It's not it's not it's not just for kids. I'm watching it, it. It it doesn't really feel like a kids movie. No, as such. Even even though it has a lot of the trappings. It's animated. It's a fairy tale. I mean, how 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 much. Obviously Pixar went a different direction with it, but but how how much did they cotton on to? The um, broad kind of four quadrants commercial appeal of of of, Shrek. of the likes of Shrek.
0: Well, I think to be honest, it's more parallel development than sort of conscious stealing. That I think that if you look at the timelines, <laughs> were, were,
1: we're all of the examples of of Pixar and DreamWorks doing the exact same thing, overlapping um, nearly, and, yeah, nearly yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, it was,
0: was 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 all just parallel <laughs> thinking. Yeah, uh, no copying whatsoever, or at least very early stages of. Because, this I mean, is
1: the same term as uh, a shark's This is it, exactly. Like, <laughs>
0: uh, And I mean, like, you have A Bug's Life and Ants, for example, to give you another parallel there. You have, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, you have that whole, you have maybe Brave and, and a, you know, what's it called? that How to How to Train Your Dragon have a similar sort of overlap, you could argue, as well. But I mean, yeah, Shrek would have been 2001, which would have been a couple of years after Toy Story. And I would argue that Toy Story had already started that whole well, Pixar for you know adults and kids thing now, with like now, it being a story about divorce.
1: No, it's now it's um, Pixar and 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 Sony as well <laughs> competing. They they ha- was, was it Sony that did the
0: Emoji movie? What what? Wait, oh, that was Inside Out. You're right. Inside that was out, actually yeah. Inside Out. You're you're entirely correct there. It's like Inside Out, but if we could cram some more commercialism in there, that would be ideal but we're not here to talk about inside out or about the emoji movie which we have talked about separately we're here to talk about finding nemo so like i actually i'm kind of curious it's amazing that we both kind of agree on this cuz i being honest do i think that it belongs on a list of the two, top 250 movies of all time i would probably say no and i like it a lot
1: yeah like the, like the, the, this this is um this is this is a lot of fun it's delightful in ways there's a lot of uh, parts of this movie that are and- in that i enjoyed but no i i i'd 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 agree with you darren I, i i don't think i don't think it really hits hits those heights i think it's it's fine in in the kind of collection of of pixar movies as an example if you were to go through a list of oh pixar have lots of great movies then this would this would perhaps
0: be one but it wouldn't be one that i'd put in the 250 necessarily yeah, it certainly wouldn't be one I'd put near the top of the best Pixar movies ever made, and I, I think that's, I think maybe you're right about Finding Dory actually, because I I liked Finding Dory. I think I liked it a lot more than you did, but well, I think, like I liked it fine. It ju- it just didn't amount to much for me. Yeah, and I think that a lot. I wonder if a lot of the modern sort of backlash to not backlash, but. In the recent years, I think Pixar has had a bit of difficulty in terms of producing films that resonate with people. I think Inside Out is probably the last Pixar film that was generally regarded as, like, a you know, an all-time great. Because you've had other films like, obviously, Cars 3. You've had The Good Dinosaur. You've had, for example, you know, the, the one that we were talking about there, which was... Never mind. But you've, you've had you've had basically. Never mind. Never mind. The right? the,
1: the, the, the beloved B- P- Pixar Bar- Pixar Nirvana movie.
0: Yeah. Um. And it has a very different ending though. Yeah. Uh, very. But I mean, stuff like, for example, if you look at films, um, uh, like you go back, you talk about like Cars two, you talk about Brave, you talk about films like that. Um, and you basically, you've seen Pixar's cultural cache or cachet sort of erode a little bit over the past couple of years. And I wonder if that's not so much down to the studio fundamentally changing what it's doing. Although I think there's an element to that. And I think they're not hitting the same high notes that they were with, say, Wally or or Up or even Inside Out, to pick an example here. Yeah. But I think that maybe it's a sense that... Or The
1: Incredibles. That, like... Yeah,
0: The Incredibles is, is really, really great. Um, but more that the studio like has basically we've gotten used to its tricks. Like I think Finding Dory is arguably on a par or equivalent to the quality of say this or like say A Bug's Life or like say even the original Toy Story. Yeah. But it's just because they've been doing it at this stage for t- nearly 20 years, 18, 19 years at this point, yeah, that we feel sort of like, you know, we're numbed almost to it. It's like, okay, well what other tricks have you got?
1: Yeah, because it was a sequel as well, it seemed more of a cash grab than 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 a kind of um,
0: let's see what uh, what Pixar are going to do now. Yeah, what and sort of I mean, new concept are we going to play with that sort of stuff? Well, I mean, you you say that as if Pixar and,
1: and it was a very it, like the it didn't really for me anyway. Um, it didn't kind of depart much from. I know we're talking about Finding Nemo, but even in Finding Nemo, it 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 was it was a whole. Different world, I guess, for for Pixar to explore. Um, as I say, they they were part like I feel like they could have they could have explored it more in the movie. It felt like they spent spent a very short time in in the um, in the coral reef. I think when the when the credits start they go for maybe 10 seconds or so kind of like going through the locations, going through some of the locations and you're thinking oh wow this is such a
0: beautiful world i wish they'd shown more of that in the movie yeah well i do think though that there's one of the things about finding nemo is it has a very clear sense of forward momentum yeah and i actually i would argue on it and this is why i think it's it's kind of funny that this is on the list of, of all the pixar films is that you look at films like there are films that are far more adult in the Pixar canon, like Wall-E, for example, or Up, that deal with more mature themes. That sort of like dwell on these sort of heavy sort of stuff. And there's there is heavy stuff in Finding Nemo, which we'll probably talk about when we get to the spoiler zone. Oh, but the film yeah. is pure do, momentum. Do you, do you include uh, outside the spoiler zone things that
1: happened in the first like <laughs> yeah, five b- minutes before
0: the opening of the of the credits? I think not. I think maybe we'll we'll sort of we'll jump into we'll jump into talking in detail about that. but I know you've got strong feelings about how the film opens. Yeah. Uh, Andrew wants more coral reef and more Robbie Williams. <laughs> thank you very much, and less of what actually happens. But I Robbie think, Williams, yeah, he was he was he sang the Beyond the Sea, I believe. What? No, no, did, did yeah. he? And there's also an animated movie video, a music video uh, that's available on the uh, DVD that I got you there. But I mean, I feel like you're going to call me up on this, and we're going to go to the fact machine. Fact machine. Okay, because you can't accept that maybe he sang Beyond the Sea I'm Finding. I just
1: up. didn't think it sounded like
0: him. So yes, we're back from the fact machine. And, visiting Robbie Williams' official website, Mr. Williams is proud to declare, Robbie is the only artist featured on the soundtrack to Finding Nemo. A smooth and ritzy classic, Beyond the Sea, was first made famous by 50s crooner Bobby Darren, and it wasn't until the release of the album Swing When You're Winning in November 2001 that Robbie gave it a new lease of life! Exclamation mark. I
1: was thinking uh, it, it's like the this is after swing intro when you're winning, I didn't yeah. think it sounded like Robbie Williams, but i guess
0: i i i, I haven't listened to that, <laughs> <swing> <laughs> that when you're winning in yeah. quite a long time, but yeah, so it was you wanted more of that for the intro, I think as well, and I think you're yeah, I, I, I
1: think he does it quite well actually they they, they um he's um he's a talent
0: <laughs> <laughs> a rare talent one might say. But I, I do think that you're, you're right, though. I think that... Is that a pun? No, no. what? Okay. I was just praising Mr. Williams. Thank you very much. All right. It sounded like you had your, your pun voice. I have a pun voice? You have a pun voice. All right. But anyway, now I'm going to try and say things <laughs> that I would normally say just in my pun voice and see how that goes. But what I think is happening here is that Finding Nemo has a certain momentum that pushes it forward. So it's all about story and drive that makes it go forward so there's less of dwelling in the world if you will speaking of drive albert brooks is in this yes movie. he is which is great
1: <laughs> like i know it was long after this movie but i still found it unsettling
0: after drive it? yeah <laughs> well Very you, you do get you do get the drive was like not just not just the guy from finding nemo it was like the lovable brother of mel brooks who's like you know generally regarded as like a lovable you know Clots in movies, except now he's it. Now he's in Drive.
1: What is it in? Um, is that movie called Broadcast News? Yes, yes. Where he, he's yeah, he's he's, he's 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 kind of not lovable in in, in that movie in some ways. Okay, like but he, he's, he's yeah. still like
0: a comedic talent. He's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very big step from that to love that movie. By the way, I have to be clear, News. um, it is that's the one with William Hurt, right? If I'm correct. Yes, yeah, Yes, yeah. very very good. He'll hardly recommend it. All right
1: then, and with- and that woman. Is it Helen Hunt? It's not Helen Hunt. No, Helen
0: I. Hunt is in As Good As You Get. You've yes. got your James Brooks movies mixed uh, up.
1: No, no, no. I, I'm mixing her name up. She She's in The Incredibles.
0: No, you're thinking of Holly Hunter. That's Holly d- Hunter. Yeah, she she's, she's in... Yes, um, she is indeed in Broadcast News. She's in Broadcast News. Okay, yes. well, okay. I can see why you would make that. Holly huh? Hunter, Hunt, Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> Helen uh, Hunt. They all get sort of bungled Ethan up together. Hunt, I d- Ethan Hunt. <laughs> Ethan Hawk. I do... I, I, is, this how, is this what we're doing now yes. um but I do like the idea that yeah james L Hawkeye, sh- I like the the most useless of avengers, um eye of Sauron, but he's pretty <laughs> useful in mash, uh, yes, yes, he is, but I, glib. <laughs> given the circumstances and the situation yeah but I, I do Ray, like Ray Daryl, all right there alright <laughs> I <laughs> quite like keep going I do like the idea that James L Brooks was when he was making as good as it gets was like uh, what was the name of that, that woman I made broadcast news with Helen <laughs> Hunt Yeah, that's it let's get her in this movie <laughs> um, whoa 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 who and, are you <laughs> <laughs> well it's too late now we've committed but anyway with that in mind then we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone somewhere beyond the sea some will waiting
1: for me My lover stands
0: on Golden stand And watches the ships that go sailing some spoilers all Thank you Andrew So Andrew what is, is that me is that, is that canonical <laughs> <laughs> what is?
1: Finding Nemo
0: about for you.
1: Well, Darren, it's about it's about a father, a father and a son, Darren. It's about it's about their separation. It's also about the, the. fear that their that their father has about, 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 about have i already said
0: separation i don't i feel like yeah. not enough though the, where the, did the, you the, get that tweed the, jacket the, <laughs> and how are you sitting in an armchair here that wasn't there a moment ago i'm the, I'm the evil
1: scientist from gremlins too. <laughs> well darren <laughs> um, um.
0: But yeah, a lot yeah. of dad stuff in this movie. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and and, and the the movie starts pretty shockingly uh, with uh, mass murder.
0: Yeah. Well, way. okay, but yeah, that this is a potentially loaded suggestion in the era of Repeal the Eighth. But yeah, lots of lots of dead fish. <laughs> oh, no, you said it now, Dad. Yeah, it's all um, out there. There's like a barra, barracuda. Uh, who
1: <laughs> is it? A barracuda? I believe it's a barracuda. Yeah, do you, uh, come 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 comes and eats all the babies but yeah it's um
0: and coral who is nemo's mother and um marlin's wife yeah yeah
1: but um
0: but don't worry it's okay because biology has this covered what would happen in real life is that marlin would switch genders in order to become nemo's mother then nemo would impregnate marlin and they would produce lots of new babies Yeah, I can see why they didn't go this direction when they were plotting the film. But yeah, clownfish are uh, androgynous. They have both uh, male and female sex organs. And they develop according to social need, actually. So if there are a population of clownfish without any females in them, the men, the male clownfish will become female uh, and therefore to propagate the species. It's what? absolutely fascinating. Although I like to imagine that wasn't quite the original pitch for uh, oh, I don't know,
1: liberal Hollywood
0: uh, <laughs> trying to tone down. Yeah, they would no
1: want to want to want to tell all these um, all these um, queer stories. Yeah, the 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 the, the, the um, it was all it was all subtext, Darren.
0: Yeah, it was all there anyway. Uh, well, I mean, it was the the famous the director Andrew Stanton was famously inspired to make the film by a picture of two clownfish peering out from a coral reef. And basically, he did a bunch of research. He discovered that clownfish are very shy and are very unlikely to ever actually leave their homes and their communities. Yeah. And so he basically figured, like, that would be the perfect vehicle. Like, you would need a huge dramatic hook in order to get Marlin to go ah. on this adventure. Yeah, see what I did there? Um, but you would basically need that to sort of to, to pull him out. So you got that sort of... That's basically where the story came from, was this idea of clownfish being these fish that are very shy and very sort of clustered. And basically forcing them to go outside their comfort zone to go on an adventure.
1: And would it would it would so you maybe that could that could have been established (laughs) as um, it's like oh where where's my mother? It's like oh um, I am your mother and your father. I'm androgynous. I I was a man and then I was a woman and then you were born. (laughs) Um, And uh, and I'm shy and don't want to let you out in the world because we're clownfish. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I, I feel like they reduce that down to its simplest possible sort of narrative <laughs> yeah, terms.
1: Yeah, there, there is, there is, there is, there is, there is a mother dying, and at least we didn't get to see all of that.
0: Yes, it happens off screen. Marlin's knocked out, and so he blacks out, and there's only one egg left.
1: It's a funny thing in this movie. Uh, the f- f- fish have these have these names that, so. Marlin is called Marlin, but he's not a Marlin. He's a he's a clownfish. Yeah. Dory is called Dory, but she's not a Dory, is she? She she's like an angelfish or something.
0: Do you want to go to the fact machine and check? <laughs> to the fact machine. To the fact machine. And we're back from the fact machine. Dory is a Pacific regal blue tang fish.
1: Oh, just like I said.
0: Exactly like you said. But yeah, um, so no, Dory is not an apt description of who she is. You've got Bruce, who's a shark, for example. Yeah. You've got uh, all these, you know, you've got Nigel. That's not like a misdirect. Okay. uh, Yeah, it's not like Marlon being a fish. Marlon is an actual Um, Marlon. Is
1: Dory an actual fish? Is Dory a type of fish? Yeah, yeah, it's a type of fish. Okay. Will we go to the fact machine?
0: (laughs) Do you want to go to the fact machine? Let's go to the fact machine. To the fact machine. And we're back from the fact machine. It turns out, yes, Dory is in fact a type of fish. Our listeners are finding out so much about fish. So are we. We are finding out so much about fish. Oh, you, you want, you want more information? On <laughs> oh, yeah. It? Thank yeah. you very much. Sorry. Um, it is uh, several different families of large-eyed, silvery, deep-bodied, laterally compressed, and roughly discoid, uh, marine fish. Yeah, um, they so, are
1: roughly discoid.
0: Yeah, and they're they're found generally in Southeast Asia as well. So they're not particularly resident to. Although there are Australian dories, uh, which are families of like the the Citadia, the three species. Um, and dory kind of it does look a little bit like dory in that you can sort of see that there. It does. But, but yeah, dory. We, is, we see a, a an anatomical
1: picture that looks quite like a cartoon.
0: Yes. Um. Well, it being an anatomical picture as well, to be fair. Yeah. But I mean, I actually, I I think. That's one of the keys to Pixar's successes, though, is the way in which, like, you talked a Wikipedia about... Wikipedia hole. Yeah, you, you talked about that. that's your day gone there. Uh, you have no idea how long it took us to actually record this segment, although only minutes have passed listening to this, dear listener. But, uh, one it might th- feel like
1: longer, but it, it's only <laughs> been minutes.
0: But uh, one of the things I think that Pixar do really well is they tap into that sort of adult fear. Like, because you can watch Pixar films as an adult and see things, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, that resonate with you and wouldn't necessarily resonate with your child. Like, so for example, like you look at Finding Nemo, and on the surface, it looks like it should be a Bambi tale. Because yeah. it's a story about a, a child that is orphaned. Like it's the mother's, you know, Nemo's mother is killed. And Nemo is this little fish who's, he's got a dinky, f- and it's actually referred to repeatedly as a dinky fin. And like he's trying to go out in the world and he's trying to explore. He's trying to make friends and stuff. And you imagine like in most animated films, you would tell the story of Finding Nemo from Nemo's perspective. He goes out into the world. He's kidnapped. He has to find a way home. He has to make friends. He has to be resourceful and clever. And one of the things that Finding Nemo does that's very, clever and that works very very well is it shifts the focus onto Marlon who is the father who is surrendering Nemo basically who's like giving Nemo up who's bringing him to his first day of school but then witnesses him getting kidnapped and has to go on this big adventure to save him I think that's maybe why one of the reasons why Pixar works so well is because they tell stories that children can identify with children go oh it's a big adventure with lots of cool fish in it but adults look at it and go well actually I recognize that fear I've you know I've walked my kid to school I've basically said goodbye <laughs> hold to- on wait wait <laughs> Okay. Darren. No. Have I walked my kid to school? Yeah. No, okay. I'm talking theoretically here. Uh, yeah,
1: it, it it's funny because it it well I guess it's not recognizable to us. Yes. Um because because we're not parents. But I think something it is very recognizable to is I somebody was talking about this the other day about the the, the kind of birth of um what do you call it, helicopter parenting. Well, kind of like came out of the eighties with all of these like um, missing kids, and them being like
0: on um, kidnapped on, on milk cartons, like and, yeah, and this sort of moral panic that broke out, like yeah, as well. Like I mean, it,
1: it feels like we're living in a generation now where I would imagine—well, this is the way I would think—that that our generation would probably be reacting against that to the extent that we'd be thinking, "Oh, there's far too much." hands-on um, sort yeah of yeah kind of r- r- wrapping wrapping kids in 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 cotton wool and that you need to kind of like that everything is just a little bit too kind of like safe and of course maybe maybe when people become parents they they suddenly become obsessed with uh wrapping story parenting things yeah films. yeah and reading reading horrible stories about what kind of predators or could be out in the, yeah, well, in the bad world.
0: Well I was going to say like you, you talk about like it, re- it came as a reaction to the panic in the 80s about you being abducted and kidnapped. Like one of the things at the birth of the 24 hour media cycle is that every story is now a big deal so it's not like we've had any let up in that respect. So I mean like in my lifetime I can remember stuff like the kidnapping of Madeline McCann but I can also remember stuff like the Amber Alerts. Remember the Amber Alerts coming in the States. We don't that know thing that, that Madeline McCann in. was kidnapped. Okay let's not get let's not disappear down that rabbit hole Andrew. Okay. But you know what i mean. we have these reports of children that horrible things have happened to it's not as if like we stopped reporting them in the 90s or in the 2000s like if I had a child I would be petrified because I would be I have been watching more petrified than you are at the moment and I am terrified of the outside world I I (laughs) the character of Marlin resonates with me greatly but I mean I understand that fear. I understand that fear of loss and that fear of sort of letting go of something and that fear of having something happen that's outside your control and the idea that there are people who you care about who will at some stage, you know, move on in their lives and leave you behind, but also the fact that you can not protect them from everything that's out there, horrible waiting yeah. in the world.
1: Well, maybe it's not a generational thing and maybe there's just kind of different people in the world. Yeah. Like, I don't feel particularly kind of fearful or... um or anxious. I tend to, to can, tend to think. Like everything will be fine. And even if it isn't. It'll still be crap. I'll cope yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like what's the worst that could happen. And like worst things have happened. And
0: yeah. yeah they, they, well, they, keep, keep in mind that I've spent the last couple of weeks. Watching all 10 of Christopher Nolan's movies. Which are all predicated on the idea. That you will care about something. You will lose it in the most horrible manner possible. And it will leave you a shattered wreck. Unable to understand the world beyond yourself. So I feel like there is that ambient culture of fear. And I feel like maybe that's like a millennial thing as well. In that like since 9-11 you've had this big fear of like random events happening on like a large scale. Where people are afraid of the consequences of that. Like people are afraid of... I
1: don't know. I felt like that kind of fear was directed at older people. But maybe it's not. Okay. I, I, I can't really imagine. But maybe that's just me like I say. but I can't imagine too many people our age being carried along with the kind of hysteria that's um i always figured that was directed at a more kind of like mature audience where they're like fearful of all of the things they might lose rather than our generation who don't really
0: have much <laughs> yeah. who have been told that we will never have anything as a yeah. result of the, the crises that we've been through. I suppose you're,
1: you're, uh, may, maybe a, um, a, a
0: baby boomer in, 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 in a millennial spirit. body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was born 20 years too late. <laughs> you're uh, <the> greatest generation. <laughs> yeah. there. Thank yeah. you very much, Andrew. But no, I, I do. And that, that sort of resonates to me. And it sort of, I do think like that's a large part of why I think finding Nemo is so successful. Because, I mean, if if you look at Pixar films, they tend to touch on this stuff a lot. They talk about growing up. So, for example, in Toy Story, you have the idea that Andy might move beyond Woody and might later on in, like, Toy Story 3 move beyond his toys completely. You have, like, in The Incredibles, which is the movie that follows this, you have a whole host of fears about, like, you know, what happens if, like, a father fails his family, if he has an affair, you know, if he can't look after his kids, if he can't provide or meet the expectations of his partner. You have all these sort of fears which are res- which I hope... I hope, resonate more with people who are adults than they do with, like, 10-year-old kids. Because otherwise you're going to have really screwed up adults who've been, like, coping with, you know, adult fears since they were kids who their parents brought to Pixar movies. And I wonder if, like, Finding Nemo, we talked about it earlier being, like, a template for Pixar success in terms of being the most successful animated film ever, being the first Pixar film to win an Oscar. And in many ways being the Pixar film that I think led to disney basically deciding that they weren't going to beat pixar they were just going to buy them which is a strategy that they would use a great deal in later years when it came to stuff like say marvel studios when it came to stuff like even fox there was this idea of okay when, when,
1: we're, we're we're recording this uh, well in advance um, so yeah. we who who knows what what else what disney have bought? Have yeah. bought. Um,
0: disney's monopoly reign over hollywood continues but i do think that there is like you could argue that Finding Nemo, in many ways, codified, like, the Pixar storytelling tropes. Like, you can go back and you can see them in Toy Story. Like, Toy Story is a story about a kid, in many ways, whose, like, parents are going through a divorce. And you have, like, Woody is the old dad and Buzz is the cool new dad. But you have that sort of fear running through that as well. You have like the idea of the baby um, in, for example, Monsters, Inc., who, you know, this idea of parenthood thrust upon Mike and Sully who aren't expecting it. But I think that with Finding Nemo, that really crystallizes into this idea of Pixar movies being movies about like the end of childhood and the point at which parents sort of have to accept that they're responsible for people who are now adults. They have to let go. And sort of move on, which becomes a big thing in Toy Story three. And like Toy Story three, in many ways, like it even borrows the prison break plot, which is a subplot in Finding Nemo. You know?
1: Yeah, i I mean, it it could. I felt like it 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 could have it could have just done more. Like 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 for for example, take um, Inside Out. Yeah. Um, that could have just been a movie about um, a child moving home. And having to, having to adjust to to being in a new community, having to make new friends. Um, having broccoli on pizza. Yeah, yeah, and all of that sort of thing. Or, 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 or in um, uh, The Incredibles. It could have been a movie kind of like
0: it where It could they, have been a superhero movie, a standard yeah, conventional yeah. superhero movie, instead of being this big ball of, like, anxiety.
1: Yeah. But I... I, I, I I mean may yeah may, maybe maybe it's that the kind of fears in this movie don't really mean um <laughs> very, very 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 much to me but um well I feel like as 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 a child I was I was very well taken care of I think whenever I was sick I was always kind of like rushed to a hospital so, so I was in hospitals lots but I think also a lot of the stuff I remember was kind of being off by myself climbing trees some sometimes getting getting together with other groups of children, knocking down trees, setting things on fire, blowing stuff up, jumping from like great distances, and and yeah, just gen generally like kind of doing doing dangerous things. Like there there were I I think in there where 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 the two of us went to secondary school. There was an old mill yes, that people used to, used to used to including myself used to used to hang around this old derelict uh mill that was quite dangerous and i think was was,
0: there were, there was uh... i think i went there once on the last day of school oh yeah that's how cool i was okay yeah so i think it's fair to say when i watch this movie i think i i empathize with this a great deal more than you do where i was looking at it from marlon's perspective and when nemo sort of swam out and touched the boat and then got abducted by the dentist i was like yep yeah, see serves him right the yeah. important lesson here, kids, is to never stray too far from your parents.
1: Yeah, so so I I, I enjoyed kind of like being off, either by myself or, or or with other kids doing dangerous stuff, breaking into places where I wasn't meant to be. And... As we
0: talked about in the Shawshank Redemption, you broke yeah. into the the local prison or local sort of institution. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, in uh, in Sligo, but um, the yeah the, the so so I I I don't really kind of identify with that fear cuz I, I i feel like kind of being being a relatively f- fearless child always feeling like um like i i the things i enjoyed most were the, were the, were the things that were kind of dangerous and made me feel like um like i was in genuine danger were 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 the things that i felt most exhilarated by or like even even, you know, like um at water parks, like one wanting to go like the highest, um... the highest
0: diving board or whatever. Yeah. So in th- from that perspective, though, did the movie not resonate slightly in terms of it being uh, like pushing Marlin outside his comfort zone, but even having Nemo go out in the world and prove that he's much better and much more capable than his father thinks that he is? No, or did that just no, simply not no, resonate at all?
1: No, the the because he he goes out a little bit and then he's caught and kept in a um
0: in, a, in an aquarium in
1: an aquarium for for it's not like he um has all of these kind of um, adventures really as such his 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 father does when when going out looking for him but it, it's I mean there's a sense in which his 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 father maybe realizes the 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 kind of fun that his child could be having in a world where... where where He where... wasn't
0: such a helicopter parent.
1: Exactly. But um, we don't get to see the, that kind of experience from the point of view of the child so much. All right. there. there I mean, there is a sense when they get back that he's now ready to, to, to kind of be more fun-loving. And... Well, he's, now,
0: he's now a fun dad. He's now yeah. able to tell funny jokes. Yeah. And he's friends with sharks. And he's able to tell exactly how old... You know, tortoises are.
1: I love the bit with uh, with Bruce and the other sharks.
0: Well, we'll with, yeah, let's let's talk about the bits that we really like then. So, yeah, the bit with the was it fish or food? Not fish or friends? Not food.
1: That's right. They 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 have a little kind of twelve steps program where yeah. where they get up and they speak about. It's it's um,
0: it's Alcoholics Anonymous, or it's kind yeah. of yeah. Um... Um, or even the bit where where Dory's bleeding and it goes up his nose, sort of evokes almost like drug addiction and cocaine relapses and stuff like that. Yeah, where he becomes which is fun. <laughs> yeah everyone knows that drug addiction is hilarious but it is it's is—it's—it's fun and it's sort of it's got that sort of Pixar world building quality to it which is hilarious because it's not only is it a shark's anonymous meeting it's a shark anonymous meeting inside a sunken submarine in the I, middle of a minefield
1: yeah I, I, I love all those mines I love the submarine I feel like, like a lot of the movie is in a kind of a um, parts of the movie anyway are in a kind of like a blank um, blue anonymous haze. S- blue haze which is a kind of a missed opportunity i mean but they, i guess they wanted to put that and that in a lot but it it felt it felt like the the they 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 could have they could have populated the whole movie with these kind of fantastic landscapes
0: I mean, like, this is the thing. I, when I was a kid, I or loved... the
1: current with the with the turtles. They're... Like, yeah. that was enjoyable. And, and and
0: it gave you a nice little special effect where it sort of glistened as it sort of went so you could see it. It was almost like looking up at the stars and seeing sort of a trail through them. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, as a kid, I loved... And I think maybe this is one of the reasons why it appeals to kids so much is I loved the sea when I was a child. And I, and I mean, I loved the same way that I love space because it was something exotic and something exciting and something interesting. And like something that was in many ways like the sea is obviously closer than space so and it's mo- it's populated by interesting objects and like when you go down underwater I had all these books about like interesting fish like the angler fish that you see there for example with the glowing lure yes. that sort of traps them in there but even stuff like say squids and stuff like octopods and, and all these sort of interesting animals that lived in the sea and you get a glimpse of that in, in Finding Nemo but you don't really get to spend as much time with it as you would I mean you pointed out heptopods. heptopods, if you will but um, you did have this sort of of, uh, do you know that heptapods can go back in time? I like this, Andrew. Reach a stage where you think that if you state something with enough confidence, I'll believe you. No, look it up. Heptapods can go back in time. Yes. Do you want to? Do you want to explain that before we look it up, just so we can, so listeners can judge and determine, like, what exactly do you mean by travel backwards in time?
1: Or forwards? In, 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 well, we all
0: travel forwards in time, Andrew. Well,
1: like, like for.
0: Well, I'm traveling forwards in time right now.
1: They're for 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 example, Abbott and Costello are heptopods. Um, and they travel in time. And they travel in time.
0: Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. So it's amazing. Am I actually, am I actually going to the fact machine to check this now? Heptapods we... time travel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> of I, course ins- you are. I insist upon this. I feel like we haven't used. <laughs> You're the... gonna feel so silly, Darren. I feel like we haven't. Uh... Oh, ha ha! Yes, good call. Yes, I am. Damn it! How did I not get that in joke? I don't know, there. Oh, sorry. Maybe, maybe we haven't recorded that podcast yet. Yeah. Maybe we're just releasing them to the listeners out of sequence, <laughs> yeah. so they can get the full, uh, full experience there.
1: Yeah, check 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 out um, that episode when it drops as a, an, an, a new arrival,
0: uh, which will be in, I think, l- last November. Yeah. But anyway, so. That is one of the things, though, that really sort of grabbed me about the ocean, is that it was populated by all these weird creatures. I mean, like, even when you watch... remember the... before last. remember before last, yes. But, like, when you had the... Um, when you had all these, like, David Attenborough specials, like Planet Earth or the Blue Planet and stuff like that, because the sea is so wonderfully alien and so weird and so colourful and so bright. Yeah. I think that, like, you can see why if you were doing an animated film, and one of the things, like, we talked about this before, I think we talked about Inside Out, Pixar, when they were starting out, made a point to avoid animating people. Because people when you animate them, push in, push the film into the uncanny valley. So, for example, when you did Toy Story, you saw as little Andy and his mother, or even Sid, as was possible, and you focused on the toys because it was okay for the toys to look unreal. And that sort of stuff. And you had this sort of anthropomorphized quality that sort of crept into stuff like, say, A Bug's Life, and obviously this, and then obviously cars and stuff like that. It wasn't until, say, I think, I think maybe The Incredibles was probably the first Pixar film to have, like, protagonists that were meant to be human. Yeah. Um and you can sort of see why you would do that with with CGI, but one of the things about finding Nemo and doing it with the C is that you got to have all these rich, colorful cartoon characters. Like and they all look weird and wonderful and it's so bright. Like even watching it, like I I have the DVD from 2003-2004. 2000 like it's so bright and it's so exciting just to look at. I mean like you have and you have these vistas which are just beautiful you have like the the coral reef which you don't spend enough time on you have the big sea of jellyfish where they bounce on top one from the other Where the sea of pink you, you have, could
1: have you 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 could have had a whole lot of rubbish that they had to yes, the, the drift the pacific yeah. drift um, um, no like 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 literal bags of rubbish
0: <laughs> the, that you have in the ocean yeah. Um, yeah, that sort of clang together to form like pseudo islands and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah
1: yeah you, and, and, and there would be all this colorful rubbish.
0: <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't be colorful yes, so much as like environmental a, a point. point. I feel like it wouldn't be so much colorful as sludgy as like greeny brown would probably cover <laughs> you there.
1: I don't, I, don't, I don't know Darren there, there's, there, there's, there's there's so much uh, colorful rubbish uh, out, <laughs> out there, there in the world that's just waiting to be
0: discovered. I feel like that—that's Andrew's pitch for was it at this stage would have to be finding Marlon. That will be the next one, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I—I I really, really like it, and I feel like—I
1: don't know if we're ready to see, uh, like, a, 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 I know that I know that Drive was was a departure for Albert <laughs> Brooks, but after that movie, I—I—I—I I, 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 I feel I feel like he's all of a sudden kind of difficult to think of him as anything but like this sinister <laughs> vicious figure yeah
0: well i mean because he is like albert brooks is always <laughs> he been... is a sinister <laughs> figure, how, figure. Do you, how do you think he got the role in finding nemo it was like yeah he works so well he works so well in drive because it's such a subversion of his persona yeah in that he you know you you think of albert brooks you think works of lots a little of... too well <laughs> i, I <laughs> so can't, well I that can't
1: it's... unsubvert
0: so that <laughs>
1: persona in my mind (laughs)
0: it's like danzel washington after training day sort of stuff you can't you can never watch the pelican brief again but i mean i do think though that the use of color and the use of these animals in, in this film is a very clever, like, it looks absolutely stunning from beginning to end. And it's got this, it is a cartoon more than most Pixar films are cartoons, like, because it's not like Wally, where Wally is like a silent film, it's the Wally's almost like an art house film, you could argue. Up has elements of that, where it's got like that wonderful, powerful, like, tear inducing, like, opening 10 minutes, whereas finding Nemo is very cartoony in terms of how it's designed and in terms of how it's plotted like it's a series of set pieces more than it's like a meditation upon character and stuff like that so like Marlon and Nemo have their arcs but the the film is very much set up in terms of like a beat 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 it's like action sequence action sequence action yeah. sequence it's like okay you get the submarine with the sharks then you get like the confrontation with the well, you know the little bit of exposition from like the flock or, or the school of uh, you know sort of fish that will point them towards the canyon with the jellyfish over it and while this is happening nemo's also staging his own jailbreak he's doing his own sort of breaking into the filter like there's a sense of move 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 that goes through finding nemo that's i think kind of carries the movie a lot and sort of helps it get past the fact that maybe its themes aren't as deep or as compelling and its characters aren't maybe as rich as in some of the better pixar films
1: yeah i also wonder if this could have been a better movie if it was just in the ocean if the stakes were were not that it had been taken away and was going to be given by a dentist to to his niece if it were some kind of um uh story that that takes place within the ocean whether 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 that would then mean that we could we could keep it there in the Rather yeah. than sort of stepping outside yeah, and going yeah, into the aquarium. Exactly. Which is the same, because actually... I quite... I, like in, in, in Finding Dory, they, they kind of did the same thing. Most of it is, is in this um, SeaWorld. SeaWorld. Yes.
0: Which had, they had to change the ending to appease SeaWorld, to assure viewers that nothing unscrupulous ever happens at SeaWorld, of course. Um, but yeah there is there is a sense that Finding Dory is like Finding Nemo but bigger I, I actually I quite liked Finding Dory I found it had a big emo it actually probably had a slightly bigger emotional punch for me than Finding Nemo did because I think there's nothing in Finding Nemo that's as affecting as the sequence where Dory goes to get a little pebble to make her mother feel better and then gets sucked out into the wild ocean and is separated from her parents for what seems to be forever. While struggling to hold on to the memory. I feel like Finding Dory actually... This is spoilers pro- for all movies. For all movies. This is a spoiler zone for all movies. But I feel like Finding Dory arguably has a deeper, a richer, or more powerful emotional punch than Finding Nemo. Although maybe that's because it, it comes at it from the opposite angle.
1: I had completely forgotten the whole thing about the, 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 the mother and all of... And the pebbles uh, that she likes. Um, no, no, no. In, in Finding Nemo. And the, 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 oh, the, the bit whole, of the start. Yeah, yeah. With the where coo- everyone dies so, so obviously that wasn't uh, yeah. very effective If, if it, it, it didn't really stick with me like in The Lion King yes where yeah.
0: Mustafa gets sort of thrown back into the pit by Scar and then Scar, brain, Scar about, this is the spoiler zone for all movies and then <laughs> yeah. Scar blames you know, Simba yeah, for that was
1: it. very affecting like it, that, but in 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 this movie, it kind of like like I say, I just completely forgot about it.
0: I think it's because I think it's because it happens so early in the film. Yeah. Like, it, it's the opening scene. It's before you the title really card.
1: Established any kind of um, sense of who this person is, and then she's gone.
0: Yeah, well, it's because it is. You you would have no idea. Like you could almost cut that sequence from the film, and you would have no idea that mother that Nemo's you know mother died horribly. You just had that she was missing. Yeah. And while it explains, for example, why Marlin is so protective, and it gives you the backstory and the reason for it, it never feels like it's something that like haunts haunts the family in any sort of tangible way. You could easily have had a little
1: picture of a fish. Do they <laughs> do do they have stuff like that in in, in the, the world, of, in finding the world of Finding Nemo? Do do. <laughs> Do they do they have little kind of um, like do they no I guess they don't iron shirts <laughs> <laughs> even they, they don't wear them yeah, yeah they don't have fridges yeah, this um, is not this is not they the one don't have little pictures of each other and uh, this but, isn't uh, SpongeBob SquarePants yeah
0: where they, they fi- where they carry rounds so every once in a while yeah. when Andrew forgets about the existence <laughs> of Coral so mar-
1: so yeah I guess it would have been quite difficult to convey <laughs> that in some other way yeah um,
0: but I I feel like a lot of that's then the fact that the The script is structured in such a way to get that out of the way as quickly as possible. The, the, so you have no emotional connection to Coral when she gets eaten and the family gets killed.
1: The seahorse could have been like, hey... Nemo's not your wife. You're not gonna lose Nemo. I don't know why <laughs> why um, uh, the Seahorse talks like that
0: now. <laughs> but in in Andrew's version of the yeah. film, yeah,
1: some some great uh, voice work in this. Um, I thought Ellen DeGeneres was fantastic. She's amazing,
0: and it's it, it, it. You know, she was cast when the director Andrew Stanton basically saw watched her doing her own show you know the the, the Ellen DeGeneres show the chat show that she does and watched her change the topic of a sentence five times before reaching the full stop at the end wow um he sort of he looked at her and he said okay well that's a woman with with a train of thought that's so erratic that she could be dory yeah and it it works beautifully
1: it does it does and an amazingly talented woman because she she had this enormous talent for for stand up before she ever kind of oh, okay. took to 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 daytime television. Well, I, know I'm, she I'm, did, I'm not, I know
0: she did the show. I didn't know she did stand up beforehand. Did yeah, she?
1: I'm 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 not I'm not familiar with a huge amount, of it, but from, from 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 listening to to comedians talk about other comedians, I know that 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 they have a lot of regard um, for, for, for her. I'm not coming from any place of authority. But I was surprised to to. I guess, like, with, 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 with a lot of comedians who moved to television, they were generally extremely good. Like, people talk about Jay Leno and his stand-up as, like, he could have just done that forever. Like, everybody kind of loved
0: it. And then um, he sort of became this divisive cultural yeah, figure. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting because you assume that, like, a stand-up's ability as a stand-up will translate to another medium. So, for example, there was the, uh, what's his name, the guy he used to do Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. He was regarded Norm Macdonald? was it norm Macdonald who got his own show or is it somebody else i'm thinking of? but there was basically this stand-up comedian and generally regarded as a stand-up co- as a like one of the best of his generations um but he got his own tv show that lasted 13 episodes because like his ability as a stand-up comedian didn't translate perfectly to the vehicle of like a a weekly 30 minute sort of situational like comedy. that
1: could have been a lot of people
0: yeah that probably was but um let me just check now and just make sure. We're going to go to the fact machine again in this episode. Jesus. I feel like this is—I feel like this is perhaps weirdly our most scientifically uh, accurate episode. This ever. is why
1: most podcasts have somebody who googles things, As who's go- also their sound engineer. Yeah, our sound engineer just sits on his hands and does nothing. Like occasionally changes the knob and, and is to blame whenever the whenever there's anything wrong with the sound. Uh, is pretending that we, he can't hear us. But um, we're, we know you're listening, Dave. Yeah, I know you're listening. That's kind of now as well. His name is Dave, unless no. we change it. He's always like one wrong step more from from being fired. It's very cheap. I'm dubious about whether you can tie one particular person down to <laughs> this kind of like genre of people oh, oh, who oh, are on failed. Saturday Night Live and were are giving a show
0: <laughs> and watched it tank. Well there is a rule that we can't come back from the,
1: the fact, fact machine without facts.
0: Oh that's a fair point The fact, if the fact machine doesn't work then the whole premise is thrown into doubt Andrew um, alright then cool so hold on okay it's alphabetical so that's not helping me at all What's her name from uh, the Coneheads
1: that she was in with um, the guy who has a skull vodka Guy <laughs> Who has Dan, a skull vodka Dan Aykroyd why does he have a skull vodka? He he has his own vodka. I think it's a skull that it's okay. um, kept in. Keeps it cold. Is
0: it his own skull or somebody else's skull? It's
1: okay. Dan Aykroyd's skull. What he does is he ta- he k- goes to other dimensions and kills the Dan Aykroyds <laughs> from those dimensions. Brings back a, a skull. And, and, and what is the vodka made of, you ask? A potato. Um... <laughs> It's just regular vodka,
0: but, but it is in, in interdimensional Dan Aykroyd's go. And we're back from a very exhausting fact machine trip. Turns out that the comedian that Darren was thinking of, despite having got the wrong age, the wrong time, and perhaps even the wrong era that he was on Saturday Night Live, was I think of John Milani. Um, who had sort of he launched a 13 hey. episode for, Mulaney okay fine he launched Mulaney which was a Fox TV show that lasted a masterful 13 episodes but apparently scared him away from comedy to the point where he, he had to make a comeback afterwards so just sort of in terms of I can't even remember it, we've been gone to the fact machine so long I can't remember how it came up or what the context was but it was in terms of uh, Ellen DeGeneres where we're talking about like her being a very good stand-up comedian but Dan, also being Dan a has really a rare
1: good... illness where he, he can't say people's surnames right
0: yeah Ellen DeGeneres how do you pronounce it? okay I, don't, don't, how would you
1: I, I I always have such authority on these things that that uh, that I have no um I, like reason for feeling so confident about but it, for for me it's degenerate but but it just it, it feels so strange coming out of your mouth where when when you see the de, degenerate it's 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 like a
0: character from game of thrones <laughs> Fair point. All right, fine. Well, no, uh, Ellen, no Maybe you're right. Let, let, let's assume that we're on first name basis. She seems Alan. very. She's yeah. very polite, and it's it's one of those one name people, like Danzel or like Oprah. Yeah, you don't um, have to be
1: familiar with 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 <laughs> Ellen to call
0: her Ellen either.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it's just the name of a show.
0: Because she's she's very she's a she's a fantastic talk show host. She's apparently a very good stand up comedian, and she's very good here. She's remarkable here. I would argue she's, and it's understandable that the follow-up to this was Finding Dory because I would argue even more than Albert Brooks who is fantastic and Willem Dafoe who's great, she is the breakout star here. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's arguably, arguable that, like, despite all the emphasis that the film puts on, like, the loss of Coral and, like, the, the relationship that exists... Well, but... there's zero emphasis. That it... Yeah, fair point. But, like, this sort of relationship that exists between Marlon and Nemo, like, the film's biggest emotional moment is arguably Dory... Like completely forgetting about Marlon, and it's Marlon like yelling at Dory and telling her to go away, and then it's at the end, it's Dory like looking at the Sydney, reading the, the name Sydney, and having it all sort of come back to her. Like Dory is the emotional heart of the film, I would argue.
1: Yeah, something I found uh, especially affecting this time watching the movie was the scene where 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 Dory gets injured, um, the and, and and the the the, the, the yeah. scene with the jellyfish. Yeah. That sort of really stuck with it this time. Masterful.
0: Well, it is. It's absolutely beautiful because it is one of those rare scenes. You know, you were talking earlier about how most of the scene is this, most of the the sea is this big blue sort of haze. That's one of the more colorful scenes in the film was you have all the pink and the... Thank God for this colorful scene. Yeah, sort of breaking it up really. But there is, you have... Dory is very much like the heart of the film. And I wonder actually if you're you're right when you say like, I remember you, you pointed out that like, would the film be better if it were all set in the sea and you didn't have to go to the dentist's office? Yeah, does, although I did enjoy the dentist. Yeah. And and his niece. Yeah, and well to be honest, the entire cast of the fish tank. Which yeah. include like performers like Alison Janney, um what's his name? Brad Garrett. It also yes. includes like Willem Dafoe, uh, who is just amazing. Willem Dafoe should be in absolutely everything, but he's fantastic as this sort of like gritty want to break out of here sort of fish who's got this master plan for escaping into the ocean. Yeah. And I mean I feel like but I was wondering You're like
1: he could be in everything because there's a lot of uh, di- directors that want him to be in all of their movies. There, there's there's um, uh, everyone from uh, Wes Anderson to Lars Von Trier. Yeah, <laughs> which is a very wide spectrum. <laughs> when you sort of cast it that way, it's like and what's it's the... like. Um, I, it's uh, John
0: Lasseter on line one,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lars Von Trier <laughs> on line two. Yeah.
0: Um, so you want me to ejaculate <laughs> what through my what oh sorry I thought I was talking to Lars um, yeah. you just want me to voice a fish okay uh, I think I can do that well, I mean like there's an argument he may even win the best supporting actor Oscar this year for his work in the Florida project and he's phenomenal in that where it's about a bunch of kids was
1: that on your top 10
0: no it was not it was not on my top 10 it was on the it, scan on top 10 it was it was okay. not I really not want to see that. I'm not a huge fan of it because I have no heart but, okay. But he is in it and he's very good. It's a film about a bunch of kids who are, like, in these Florida motels. And, like, Willem Dafoe is basically... Didn't even
1: get an honourable mention for you, did it?
0: No. No. No, it didn't. Not at all. Um, I have very strong feelings about it, which we'll talk about if it makes this list uh, in the near future.
1: And, like, like... Um... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was
0: was was on your. Uh, well, in list my honourable mention, on in my top forty, you although it would be 41. Top 40 Yeah,
1: that's so heartless. You are. That's I that's how haven't, I haven't uh, seen. I like movie. how you
0: haven't seen the Florida Project, <laughs> but you're judging me for not particularly liking it. <laughs> I wanted to see it, <laughs> and therefore, you're you're not loving it, makes it horrible. I, mm. it's a very beautiful film. uh The performances are fantastic. There are certain parts of the film that I feel very strongly about and I feel uncomfortable with the praise that it gets for handling those certain aspects of it. But anyway, Willem Dafoe plays this sort of guardian figure for a bunch of wayward children. And that's like an example of the range of Willem Dafoe is he can be, you know, like Green Goblin, you know, fish breaking out of prison, uh, whatever the hell he was in Antichrist, uh, and responsible guardian for a bunch of wayward kids. Like, you, I I do really love Willem Dafoe.
1: I do love him, too. I, I think I've spoken before on the podcast, how much I enjoy the um part of Spider Man where he lays down on
0: uh, to to become the yes, the green goblin, it's like, oh, it's cold. It's uh, Andrew yeah. is like, at this moment, I empathize with this character. I feel his humanity. Yeah,
1: yeah, I felt like it was it was it was a kind of a a, 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 a nice sort of like
0: a, a, a touch <laughs> to deflate what would be an otherwise sort of epic moment or sort of cold moment that would be sort of like a stock beat. But I mean, like even in here, you have that plot happening simultaneously. So you have like. Marlin trying to rescue Nemo but you have this sort of jailbreak plot happening within the aquarium and I wonder if like that maybe it contributes a sense of momentum of the film because there's always something happening but does it sort of like disrupt the focus maybe like because you're you're sort of you're you're constantly cutting back and forth between these locations
1: well the weird thing about it was they went to all of this trouble to um clog
0: the um the machine yeah and, and then immediately like it's of, invalidated yeah, yeah
1: yeah um because they 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 have like this new system installed and and the water is all
0: being fixed um there's a lot of that in the film actually because there's and we talked about, like, a moment ago how you could cut the introductory scene and lose very little. There are a lot of... Because of the way it's structured, you could cut entire sequences of Finding Nemo and lose next to nothing. So, like, if you cut the jellyfish sequence. Yeah. Like, or if you cut the, the shark sequence, which we or, love, for example.
1: Or even within within the um, dirtying up the... Uh, the tank. The tank. You, like, he actually establishes... We don't need to do anything to to, to, to this this tank's going to get dirty anyway. But let's help it along <laughs> yeah. by
0: by having like um, by having us do a whole lot of things that will make it dirtier. Yeah, that will look very good on film as well. That will give a sense of like there's a there, that's the thing with Nemo. There's a lot of stuff happening in the film, but I feel like maybe there's very little momentum out of it. Like there's very little like, changes over the course of the film as a result of it. Like you could argue that like what's what's the point in having like marlon and dory get so close get into the dentist's office to rescue nemo if nemo is just going to manage to escape and get down the drain and be reunited with them anyway in terms of like does that add anything material to the plot or is it just stuff happening that sort of like clutters it and gives it an energy that kind of that carries the movie forward
1: yeah and it, he's they they got they did get rid of parts of this movie like like where um where Marlon distrusts his son because he's seen his, his son dead. Now feels like the this is an empty shell of, of 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 a body, and that it's against nature that he was he was brought back from the eternal realm. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> all, 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 that all was that, cut out. That was all all left that on the editing stuff. room floor.
0: Yeah. Um, but there is yet. Yeah, there's a sense that it moves so quickly that it never dwells on any emotion so like marlin has seen his son and thinks his son is dead and therefore goes out into the ocean to basically to die right but that beat is is basically over and done with in the space of three minutes because nemo pops out finds dory and they venture off together to find marlin like the the film moves so fast that it never really unpacks i think anything of, of what it's saying you know, it never really sort of dwells on it. You never really get anything that's as powerful or as moving as the opening ten minutes of Up, where you just have, like, silent, set to music, sort of like this montage for like that takes its time unfolding and sort of dwells on the little moments. You don't get a lot of little moments in, in Nemo. You get a lot of big bombast. And you get, like, this really great movie. We noticed it while we were listening to it. The Thomas Newman score. Yeah, um, they're,
1: they're, it, it, it feels like Shawshank when they're trying to escape
0: that big fish net. Yeah, with the tuna fish. It's got a very sort of, like, you can tell that Newman was like, well, they're in a sort of a prison and there's about to be a redemption. So we'll just sort of dust this one off and... Uh, sort of, you know, counted out. Although, to be fair, I mean, it's not as if James Horner, the great James Horner, would famously reuse and recycle his music um, as well for his films. Mozart. <laughs> was got there first.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they, no, no, no one's really done music better than <laughs> Beethoven. And um, everybody's just since. pretending
0: at this point. Yeah. I was listening to something about
1: Beethoven, completely going off the subject, but how he kind of changed music um, from, from what it had been and being kind of like... In, in the in time uh podcasts where it it's um which is a crazy podcast because they talk about things like beethoven but for 30 minutes and then they have like a, a five additional minutes just for the podcast listeners where it's beethoven so um, <laughs> uh, yeah talk uh, to, um he says like oh, oh of course we've missed loads of things but yeah it, it, it but was, we'll cram it into the final five yeah, minutes yeah but just like us really except we talk for two hours
0: (laughs) and still miss lots and lots of things Um, in terms of the animation the animation this is fantastic it looks absolutely beautiful yeah and when we were watching we were watching the credits the cinematography actually the director of photography which is amazing when you think about a computer animated film that it would have a director of photography but they basically do the same thing that directs the photography do on live action films in that they direct the animators where to put the lighting shots in there in order to get the effect that they want because you obviously you have rendered 3D environments and stuff like that. You know, the uh, digital photographer who worked on this film Would be the first digital photographer to be accepted into the American Society of Cinematographers. Wow. Yeah, which is quite impressive. So, like, you can see already how Pixar was sort of changing the way in which people looked at, like, how you make films and what counts as a real film. Because we talked, I think we talked about this when we talked about Blade Runner with Jay. Yeah. When you're talking about cinematography... How do you differentiate between what's real and what's not? Between what's like
1: so that was a, uh, another Roger Deakins collaboration. That
0: was well, Deakins worked with Pixar on Wally, not yeah. not on this.
1: No, but um, um, De- Deakins worked with Villeneuve um, for oh, yeah. um, for Blade Runner, uh, Blade Runner, and
0: for Prisoners. He did as well, yeah. Um, but there's this argument about like what is cinematography in an in an area where you can manipulate the shot digitally and do all this stuff in post-production so to what extent do you credit a cinematographer for work that's rendered on a computer for example like in terms of like the look and feel of a film like Finding Nemo where lighting is a huge part of why it's so effective I would argue and like all but there are no actual lights because they're all just virtual constructs within these artificial sets and stuff. It's kind of fascinating to think about, well, if if you're a bit of a film nerd, to be honest. Mm. But it is, I, I find that sort of interesting, one of the ways in which Pixar has sort of like changed the way that we think about making films. Because it's, it's not quite traditional hand-drawn animation where lighting is basically the shade of pencil that you use to color, the shade of ink that you use to color it's more nuanced than that, where it's like you position light digitally inside an artificial environment, something that never tangibly exists in real life, but which is still modeled in a virtual space. And so still has the capacity for reflections and for like shadows and for all this sort of stuff that you wouldn't have if you were doing it hand-drawn and hand-drawn, you'd have to imagine it. Whereas you can actually create the objects and have them interact with one another in computer-generated animation in a way that is fascinating to me to sort of think about, like in terms of, blending what we traditionally think of as animation with the art form that we associate with live action and sort of like modeling all of that like in an imaginary space which is is amazing to think about and it's amazing to think of how much Pixar just changed because you know like you know that Pixar's original mission statement when they were created uh, was basically to create corporate animations and stuff like that and it was only their storytelling the idea of using Pixar to tell stories only came about like accidentally through like demos that they were constructing for companies because they wanted to show companies you can use this technology to make idents that will have like shadows that look convincing, uh, animations was, of objects that can move lamps and was so it, yeah.
1: Was it? I might think of something else. Was it? Was it Jobs, Geffen, and Spielberg who 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 got together to write Pixar? Or was it somebody else?
0: Uh, no, as as far as I'm aware, like Pixar existed. It was uh, Lasseter. I think goes back to the origin of the company. But we'll just take a quick look now. Um, It was Jobs, I think, who bought it uh, and invested in, what, 1986, I think? Uh, Yeah, so it began in in 1979 as Graphics Group, which was part of Lucasfilm, uh, which goes way back. And it was spun out as a corporation in 1986 with funding by Apple co-founder Steve Jobs, who became a majority shareholder. Um, And basically, so yeah, so it, it began the original idea of Pixar... Uh, was to render sort of computer generate animation for companies so to say like you can animate your logo like this or you can you can basically have these graphics and idents that you can use in commercials and stuff like that and and basically use it in that way and it was only like through experimentation and through like playing with these ideas like and making short films that they sort of got into narrative filmmaking in the late 80s okay it's sort of amazing to look at the the studio and what it became because like when people think of Pixar they think about Pixar as I wonder a story what company. Telling. I'm thinking of. Yep, it was DreamWorks. You're right. Uh-huh. Um. So it was. Yep. Yeah, so was the Tree People. Yep. Yeah, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Katzenberg is the is the missing link there, which would make a certain amount of sense as a yeah. as a key Disney figure there. So yeah. So I mean, it is. It's remarkable how Pixar has come and how much we think of like. When we think of Pixar, we think of storytelling now as opposed to technology because everybody now can do computer animated films like Sony have their own division. You know, uh, Universal have theirs, a blue light or whatever. Even Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Even poor Sony. Can make bad animated movies. I, I, I'm I,
1: sure they've made some good animated movies as well.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, nobody... I think people still think of Pixar, but they don't think of Pixar technology-wise. They think of Pixar narrative. The Lucky movie did very well. Oh, it did phenomenally well yes um and but you in terms of and technology wise i think when we were talking about it it doesn't look it looks awful but the reasons that it looks awful are not technical in nature they're artistic so it's in terms of like design and stuff like that as opposed to like implementation it's not as if the movements are not fluid or anything like that it's just from the ground up this was a garbage fire of a movie (laughs)
1: well, <laughs> Let's not I get carried away. We, we, yeah, we we, 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 we um. We, I guess we're not going to re legislate for um, uh, emoji, emoji movie. There, there were, I th- I think when we talked about the movie, there were there were
0: some laudable <laughs> elements of it. Yes, there were yeah, in yeah. some very vague terms. Yeah, but I think that like the what makes Pixar so successful that was not the technology that they used although the technology they used was groundbreaking and astounding in terms of what could be done it was the way in which they told stories because they told stories that were very simple and very relatable but were very clear and very organic and like resonated with audiences in a way that like contemporary Disney films didn't like nobody remembers Brother Bear which is the big Disney film that had a trailer at the start of this dvd yeah very few people remember tarzan
1: look like a, uh, like not a great uh vocal performance by joaquin
0: <laughs> who was surprisingly not invested in being sort of a late stage disney film like let's take a look at what disney were I producing kind of re- you really want to see mulan mulan um, or mulan have you never seen the original movie no no it's quite good it's sort of at the end of that, I think they call the Disney Renaissance in the, in the 90s, where you had, like, obviously you had uh, Little Mermaid, you had Beauty and the Beast, you had Pocahontas. Lion King. Yeah, Pocahontas. You had, like, even The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is, like, the, uh, the Harold Lloyd of that set. You know, if you want to prove that you're a real Disney aficionado, you say, well, well, really, I think that The Hunchback of Notre Dame is the masterpiece of the 90s. It's a very, very good film, though. But in terms of like what Disney were producing around this time, like you get, you kind of see why they were eager for that. So let's run through and see how many of these films that you have seen. Well, so. Keeping in mind as well, like I wouldn't have been seeing these movies. That's it's a not tra- like, like we
1: talked about the Shrek effect. This I think Disney still, still do what they've uh, almost always done in that they make movies for, for kids. The fact that I've seen Frozen, yeah. I think, is is it is crazy because it, it's it's very clearly not a movie for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you see it by yourself, or did you see it like as an ex- with a family member? <laughs> you
1: might have seen it for Christmas. I think we had bought the movie on Sky, who, who are now a sponsor. Um, who. who where they also send a DVD. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so we we had bought that for um I think one of my cousins kids for 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 Christmas along with I think Lego movie and other 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 things like that. But then we, then we owned um, a, a digital copy of, of, of Frozen. So it's like, yeah, let's watch this over the... And it, it is a good movie, but yeah. it's it's a Disney movie in the sense that it's not for me. It's, yeah. it's for kids.
0: It's not a Pixar movie. There's a yeah. very clear distinction. So, like, if we're looking, going from 2000, right, Disney's animated output, The Emperor's New Groove, which I quite like, but is not a classic. Mm. You have Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which nobody has seen, and it's not a great movie. You have Lilo and Stitch which is actually reasonably okay but not quite the heights of the 90s Treasure Planet Piglet's big movie which is massively underrated darn Hercules
1: right. around this time?
0: Hercules would have been in the late 90s Hercules would be before this huh. um, you have then Brother I Bear I kind
1: of put Hercules and what was that other movie you mentioned um emperor's new groove emperor's new groove I that would put be around the same time to together. To, to, to her
0: you know, they would have been yeah that's sort of around the hip stage in the late 90s Tarzan would have been around the same time as well uh, Mulan would have been around there oh so actually Hercules was way earlier Hercules was 97 Yeah, I know. But you can sort of see that sort of fading there. Like, I would argue that, like, after Mulan, you're into, like, the dregs. So Tarzan is not great. The Tigger movie, Dinosaur, was their first attempt at computer animation. And you can sort of see, like, after this point, Disney try making computer animated films like they try to do Home on the Range which is god-awful. Chicken Little, which is little better than Home on the Range. But you can see that, like, everybody's now trying to catch up with Pixar. Like, this is how influential, like, Finding Nemo was in terms of, like, solidifying Pixar as a studio that had, like, a unique vision and a unique goal and was basically, was the future mm. of, like, this style of storytelling and this style of animation. And it's, it's really, really good. And I mean, I wonder, like, if that's maybe why Finding Nemo is as popular as it is. Like, because we, we talked about, like, Finding Nemo is not the best Pixar film. It's not the most inventive Pixar film. It's not the most innovative or exciting or well-constructed. But is it in, in many ways, like, perhaps the most... Indicative, like the most all-encompassing, all-rounder Pixar film, in that it has a little bit of emotional depth in terms of, like, Marlon's relationship to Nemo. It has a little bit of parental fear in that, in that reluctance to let Nemo go. It has that sort of, like, it still moves and has an adventure in the way that, like, say, films. You know, like, Wally doesn't quite have the same epic adventure or sweep. Or Up doesn't really have that until its final half hour. It has that sort of, like, it's a film that kind of straddles the line between being like a a disposable fun like cartoon and being what we think of as a pixar film which is this sort of like encompassing of adult fears like it's a middle ground between the two and it kind of we talked about this on the 250 before where if you're getting on the 250 the thing you can be is you don't be polarizing be safe yeah be safe you 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 have a wide tent and you open it up to everybody and I think is there a certain quality of that or aspect of that to yeah, find the, the,
1: the bottom one hundred are movies that that aren't safe and that wear their hearts under sleeves <laughs> either like in a political or um, yes or a, religious a, a religious or... way uh, yeah that 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 people come after because because they to prove a point almost yeah yeah because they're a piece of propaganda yeah i guess
0: okay well yeah that sort of thing yeah the 250 generally is is not you're not going to get a polarizing movie on there you're not you're never going to see darren aronofsky's mother on there to pick an example from this year like that was always going to be there would always be a contingent of people who would hate that and would vote that down it would never get on i think even like the last jedi not getting on is a sign of how polarizing it is whereas i think that like you get you do get movies that are all round quite good as a movie. yeah i think that maybe finding nemo is an example of that like if you were to pick an all round good pixar movie like not the best not the most emotional not the most exciting uh not the most character driven but if you were to pick like a, an all-rounder like this is a good example of of like most of the stuff that pixar do well you yeah
1: know? it's maybe yeah it's maybe just not like terribly ambitious yeah i feel like if it were being made now it probably would have spent more time adding kind of layers to it both kind of visually and thematically
0: and interesting i i would argue that in some ways you can point to this being a, a moment when pixar sort of realize how to make money and what you get after this point is you well get... yeah there's there's two ways they can go they, they, <laughs> yeah yeah because I, I get the sense that like You can see in this, like, this leading to Cars is quite clear. In that it's, like, it's full of bright and colourful things that you can sell to children. It's merchandisable. In that you can buy, like, you can imagine squeaky toys based on Nemo. In fact, actually, they're... wet. (laughs) Slimy. Well, okay, fine. But you know that, actually, after the film came out, they had to give out warnings about, like, all these exotic fish being given to children and dying as a result. Oh, God. Yeah, because they became, like, the must-have gift of, like, 2004, 2005 as a result of this film but you can also see like the toyetic Uh, quality it's
1: after the frozen movie there are all of these um uh children being like kidnapped and and, uh, given us christmas presents too it's like (laughs) this isn't the real Elsa yeah
0: yeah (laughs) go find me a real Elsa I (laughs) want a living (laughs) breathing one yeah Yeah. why is this Elsa sleeping upside down (laughs) yeah um but yeah there's this sort of this sort of aspect of it where you can see that like I think that with Finding Nemo it was like okay first of all we make a lot of money if we pitch a movie that we can that is aimed towards the younger end of the demographic so you get stuff like say Cars you get stuff like say the sequel to Cars you get stuff like Brave you get stuff like you know the good dinosaur and stuff like that which is like kids love dinosaurs kids love cars kids love fish and you also maybe get a simpler story as well like you get the sense that like because after this when Disney bought Pixar Pixar began producing sequels and like Finding Dory is one example of that. The Incredibles 2 is coming soon as well. You had, obviously, the three Toy Story films yeah. um, as well. You have... Your kids love Egypt. I remember loving Egypt as a child. Also loving cactuses. I, I feel
1: like P- Pixar <laughs> need to make a movie where it's like all of the Egyptian um, uh, myth- mythological... Um, beings um, all together like Ra, <laughs> Amund, uh, d- 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 um, and Osiris, and like um, mm-hmm. Anubis, um, Horus all kind of um together with like all of the kind of pharaohs as well and, and, and I like this I com- like com- completely anachronistic um but it could be in some kind of realm outside of the um the 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 physical where they all exist in the same time and it's kind of timeless now now you can pay me if you like for this but you can also go ahead and steal it and make it and then Um, give me a free ticket and then there's also the movie where it's just populated by different kinds of cacti
0: i like the fact that andrew's pitch is that pixar should have made gods of egypt yeah yeah (laughs) because who like an animated fun one a good version of gods of egypt yeah i feel like egypt has sort of been petered out in terms of recent films in terms of like was it exodus gods and men for example or ben-hur or you know that sort of stuff like that sort of like timey old-fashioned sort of middle eastern sort of setting uh,
1: like they, they don't those
0: movies kind of like just take
1: um take those things as settings Rather than taking some of the stories
0: and characters that might be interesting. Well, I mean, Gods of Egypt then tried to do that, surely. Well, I haven't seen Gods of Egypt. And if I remember, there was one Immortals around the same time as well. It was around the same time Yeah, as...
1: that would have been about the, the Persians. Around okay. the time of the
0: 300. And... Yeah, but it, yeah. it was basically like, take take these sort of like vaguely foreign religious figures and gods and tell these stories about them. And first of all, the results were not great, but also the box office returns were not great as well. Yeah.
1: And maybe, maybe what there's... I, what I'm talking about is is like some version of the Thor movies. With, <laughs> with Pixar. Yeah, yeah.
0: Or um, something more like Prince of Egypt by DreamWorks. What's yeah, le- less kind of Jared Butler and Christian
1: Bale. Um, <laughs> um, less less grit. Um, more, more kind
0: of like, um, yeah, a little bit of drama, but mostly lots of fun and colour. Um, so basically like the emperor's new groove except you know with egyptian gods yeah, yeah that's what we're pitching here
1: exactly so is there anything else in terms of fi- <laughs> hercules the greek gods i guess oh fair point yeah I, I, and i
0: can see why you associate these two together now actually yeah yeah because yeah. they both have the same animation style
1: i say, oh yes the seagull seagull scene was mine great, with the with the pelican
0: yeah is that what they're saying mine mine mine, mine. mine. yes ah. and it has that really great sort of terminator line i thought line they were saying might <laughs> but as they are australian, australian seagulls <laughs> yeah. yeah um i did like i actually really really like the gag yeah
1: jeffrey rush as a as a as an australian pelican yeah um he, he is an
0: australian isn't he he is um hop in my mouth if you want to live which is great i love that there's a terminator reference uh right in the middle of of like this animated child and friendly. it's funny because you're like don't believe <laughs> him <laughs> yeah. why would you hop into his mouth yeah. i also just love the and again like the we talk about like the visual construction of the film like one of the great gags in the movie is the shot of nigel sort of weaving between the uh, boats and stuff and then sort of going between the sail and then all the seagulls just hitting the sail and their beaks piercing it I'm getting mine, 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 uh, which is great. It's really, really great. There's a lot of really good sort of physical comedy in here, which I think plays into the cartoonishness of it. Yeah. The sort of elasticity of the CGI figures, so you can have stuff like the crabs constantly fighting, which are, you know, oi, oi, oi,
1: oi, oi. I, um, and I, I was, I was glad as well that the, the that the, they, they seem to have uh, gotten an, an Australian to voice the niece, who <laughs> is Tony Collette. Um, no it wasn't i don't think it was anyway (laughs) tony
0: clad is amazing i wouldn't be surprised Well, she she
1: she she's she played um she played a another 250 movie what's it called max and
0: it is that australian one the sort of animated stop motion one i think we're we're thinking the same one i think it's molly and max yeah um but yeah so she is and she what you say that as if like that's the only 250 movie that she's in she has to be no but play, playing a child okay fair point yeah that is that is a fair point as well so she can do that <laughs> yes if she's <laughs> she, being called she, upon she has range she should, uh, like better. <laughs> there are um there are actually like to be fair the the film's casting the australian is great i mean yeah. barry humphreys um is bruce yes uh which is just fantastic bruce the shark eric banna is is cast as chum who is the the uh sorry he's cast as anchor who's the hammerhead shark as well who's friends with him um, and Bruce Spence who is probably uh, less well known he's a stand-up he's a sorry he's a, an actor who's performed primarily in New Zealand uh plays the other one plays the plays chum the Mako shark but I like the idea of Barry Humphreys and Eric Bana as like a convent of sharks yeah yeah um but the casting in this is fantastic even for the bit roles. I mean um Stanton himself stepped into the to voice the uh the turtle yes he did and in fairness he's done some work before like he played the voice of Zerg in uh what was it in toy story 2 ah. Uh having co-directed as well i actually feel really bad for for stanton as well because he tried to he did a whole host of these really important early pixar films so this was his directorial debut he had co-directed um toy story 2 earlier as well but this was the first film that he took solo yeah we uh, don't
1: really think of him in the same breath as bird lassiter
0: yeah and it's it's kind of a shame because he did try to transition to live action he did john carter oh yeah there we go you remember john carter the disaster that was john carter speaking of willem defoe and uh, directors who clearly love willem defoe yeah um but it is like it's kind of it's a shame that first of all like john carter is not a good film but it's not a bad film and it certainly didn't deserve the reputation that it got and the bomb that it became yeah it feels like it got caught in a sort of an internal politics. looks really
1: interesting
0: uh, you've never seen it have you no no okay well, I wouldn't recommend seeking it out, but if it's on, I certainly wouldn't turn it off unless there was something definitely better on. Yeah, it's enjoyable, it's fun, it's energetic, it's not great, and it's far too, far too heavily invested in its like mythology. And you can tell that it was written and directed by somebody who loved the books as a child, and it's like, I'm afraid to change anything too too substantial in this. So you're getting a whole host of Edgar Rice Burroughs in your modern, you know, sort of blockbuster. It's very old-timey. It's very relaxed. It needs to be tightened up a bit. But it's, it's fun and it's energetic in places. Action sequences are very, very good. And visually, as you might expect from an animator, it looks really good. And it's a shame that, like after that failed there was no way that like he was ever going to direct another live action film again so like he's he's now directing he directed finding dory for example
1: i love the way that i bring up john carter and you speak in full sentences <laughs> um articulately about this movie that we haven't prepared to say anything about that's amazing i don't know well
0: i mean like john carter was a big deal when it came out because it was a it was a huge flop and it was like everyone Anyone
1: who tuned in for john carter yeah um, <laughs> uh, stuff is not going to be be disappointed,
0: yeah, <laughs> but no, no, it is like it looks stunning, and I'm actually. It's a you know, we talked about this before you know, films that are not great films, but you're glad they exist, right? It's one of those. It's a film that I would never have, like, if, if Darren were a studio executive, he never would have greenlit, um, because I could see all the ways that it would go wrong and all the ways it, it did go wrong. But at the same time, I'm glad that it got the huge, ridiculously huge budget to do this really niche thing. Because who the hell's hankering for like a John Carter of Mars adaptation in you know 2000? 2000... Well, the other thing is
1: like you might green light this because you don't you have no idea how it's going to actually be when yeah, it, when that's it's a done. Fair point. I suppose that's yeah. a fair point. Like I mean, I can imagine I like think
0: mo- mo- most people
1: are like um, I was listening to um, what's again we're going to be talking about a movie that isn't this movie, but I was listening to Josh brolin talk about sicario and him having no idea about how the movie was gonna gonna turn out and feeling kind of like anxious and uh, like worried the whole time and then and then uh, like really delighted with how it did turn out but yeah i i I imagine with most people were uh, um, uh, in the production of a movie including the studio having having no clue or yeah. like somebody
0: writes a movie and if that's their only job they have no idea how it's going to yeah. end up yeah. and particularly I mean we talked about this before where studios have thought they had great films on their hand yeah. only to discover that they didn't like for example Warner Brothers famously like were of the impression that Batman versus Superman was going to be regarded as a masterpiece when it was released and then you have for example studios dealing with films that they think are flops and they're very very anxious about like films like Psycho um, and films like for example Vertigo even and when they're released, you know, there's a bit of a him in a home, but they're generally regarded as classics afterwards. Yeah. You know, so you, I guess you're you right that it is hard to tell. And I imagine that the pitch for doing John Carter was, look, the guy who made Finding Nemo, which was the most successful animated film of all time, has come up with a pitch for a live action blockbuster. Hmm. Do you want to get on this train? Because it's, it's, it's pulling out the station and the only destination is success. Baby. <laughs> yeah. Boom. This elevator is only going up. Let's talk, bubby. <laughs> I'm your white knight. <laughs> yeah. But yeah um, so I can sort of, I can imagine that was the pitch as much as, okay, well, there was this guy, Edgar Wright Burroughs, and Edgar Rice Burroughs, and he wrote these stories about going to Mars, but it's not Mars like it is today. It's Mars like it was written by somebody who was like writing at a time when the British Empire existed. And like, yes, tell me more. I feel like this is the movie for today. But it, I'm, I'm really glad that John Carter exists, and I feel bad that Stanton hasn't had a chance to do more. Because you you talked about Bird. Bird has successfully transitioned into live action because Bird has done like, he did Mission Impossible and did Tomorrowland and stuff like that. And I feel like Stanton really should be at that level. I feel like Stanton like maybe should have those opportunities because whatever about this being a very simple movie, I think it's a very well directed movie and I think it moves and like it really really moves and it carries on and it's quick and it's enjoyable and even though I wouldn't rank it as the best Pixar films or my favorite Pixar films I think that like Finding Nemo and Finding Dory are hugely enjoyable and you don't feel like you've wasted time watching them even if you've seen them before Hmm. like and I, I just I actually am quite disappointed that there's not more Andrew Stanton films out there and they never got like another chance that after John Carter to really do a live action sort of big blockbuster although maybe that's me being sort of prejudiced and assuming that like directing a live-action film is better than directing an animated film i just imagine it giving him more freedom to do what he wants to do yeah like i, I can't imagine you know brad bird doing mission impossible uh you know as an animated film in the pixar universe although maybe incredibles comes close or people go the other way and then, and um like robert zemeckis or uh, what's his face george miller who yeah did mad max and then ended up doing happy feet yeah, And then did Mad Max Fury Road, which surely confused a bunch of people who were too young to remember the original Mad Max films. Yeah. Because I, I remember that when Mad Max Fury Road came out, all the credits were directed by George Miller, Happy Feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really? I can kind of see that. Um, it's a tough pitch. It's a tough pitch. All those Happy Feet fans were kind of confused at the lack of penguins, ice and dancing in Mad yeah. Max Fury Road. Yeah, very, very little. But there was the Dufourier. I feel like the Dufourier was a nod in that direction. Yeah, yeah. All right. So with that in mind, then is there anything else that you want to talk about with regards to Finding Nemo? Well, I feel like in the third act of John Carter. No. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen John <laughs> no, Carter. No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. Then with that in mind, then I so, so talk more about movies that I haven't seen. Well, the we with...
0: um, yeah. The... Well, well, I'm about to say, and that with that in mind, then will we segue neatly into the in and out chart? Ooh, the in and out chart. It's not what you think. Alright, so in the past month, let's take a look at what's come in and what's gone out of the 250 list. So in terms of movies that have dropped out, we've had four dropped out and four come in. So the movies that have dropped out include The Force Awakens... Yeah, which we covered with Grace, which dropped all the way from two hundred and thirty out of the list, and it dropped
1: almost, almost immediately after we had <laughs> done the, the and <laughs> the,
0: released the episode. The
1: episode plan. is like people, people, there, there, <laughs> there was like a lot of people tuned in, and then there was an immediate backlash. Oh, I think that, that, that was that was that was our our most popular
0: episode by some significant ever. distance. Yeah, which was this
1: is the only way we can get people to listen to the other fifty one <laughs> episodes
0: each year. Yeah, is <laughs> to do the Star Wars episode. Yeah. Christmas I also suspect though the release of the last Jedi played into that because that's been as we mentioned in the podcast earlier it's been a very polarizing movie yeah and I suspect that it's retroactively sort of energized a certain fan base against yeah, the Force I, Awakens. I
1: feel like when you're obsessed about something you you reach out into the internet for anything <laughs> that kind of relates um, to to it at all and try and kind of just consume
0: every piece of media and we were taken up in that maelstrom it's yeah so it can be poisoned and tented and turned against <laughs> us um otherwise dropping out was the Battle of Algiers from 1966 but that's okay that's been in and out quite a bit over the past couple of years if I remember correctly it dropped out for an extended period between 2013 and 2014 um, and it's, it's basically it has been in it's been out it's been sort of bouncing up and down it's interesting film it's a very beautiful stunning film um it is uh, it would be a film i would be very interested to talk about if only because i think there's a lot to talk about in there maybe we'll get the chance maybe we won't yeah also dropping out pirates of the caribbean curse of the black pearl which is another one that's been in now quite a bit Yeah, i think
1: that was somebody's wish to to <laughs> to, to uh on our anniversary episode to
0: to, to get rid of it was yeah, that tony yeah. tony actually wished to get rid of it so tony well done yeah uh, well done tony good job um and then zircolo which was a new entry that came in over the past year, has also dropped out, which is another uh, Tarkovsky film as well. Yeah. And then coming in, uh, we have Coco, which we've talked about in the podcast separately before. We have uh, Drisham, which is a movie that's come in and out before, which is the, uh, so a man who's trying to save his family from the dark side of the law after they commit an unexpected crime. Um, Ooh, yeah ca- yeah they, they don't reveal too much oh, thank you andrew it came in uh back in jan sorry came actually came in in february 2016 dropped off the list and then came back in so around the middle of last year up at 160 been trailing down since has been sort of skipping into and out of the bottom of the list yeah. uh, since then as well so
1: for 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 fans of unexpected crime we may or may
0: not cover this episode at some point. Uh, Fanny and Alexander also came in, uh, which is another one that's the Ingmar Bergman film, which has been in and out uh, quite a bit since the list's inception. It's been in and out dating back to 1999. It's a film that I suspect has come in and out uh, depending on the vote quota. You know, the way that they change the threshold so that a certain amount of people have to have actually seen the film in order for it to qualify for the list and then finally a new entry which i'm actually really excited about but which we're not covering as of this just in because it's been in and out since the literal beginning of the list it was on the very first list ranked at number 19 is three colors red uh which is uh i'm gonna let you pronounce the surname since you've drawn attention to my (laughs) now say it with enough authority andrew and people will believe it uh christoph Kisklowski his masterpiece it's i would argue it's the best of the three colors trilogy it's certainly one of my favorite french films ever made it's stunning it's a beautiful piece of work and i'm actually really hoping that it gets to stay in there and um, if we watch that should we <laughs> are, are we going to be watching uh the, the white en- and blue as well the entire trilogy we may we may we may uh, i feel like we should maybe do cheat episodes if we're doing yeah. it weekly now we can afford to do cheat episodes uh in terms of other activity on the list there's been a lot of uh you know sort of a lot of small movement going one place up or one place down. The biggest drop over the past uh, month has been Dunkirk, which has dropped a whopping 75 places out of the top 100 down to 174, which I'm kind of sad to see happen. Uh, there's been obviously attrition of other films, other popular films that came in. Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. has dropped 14, for example. Um, you only have, 14, though. Only 14. It's holding remarkably well, which is quite surprising. Hatsaw Ridge has only dropped two places, which I continue to be astounded by the success of the film on this list. You know, we talk about films, we talk about how the films are like populist and sort of like safe or whatever, but it it feels like, you know, Hacksaw Ridge is something that I'm surprised there hasn't been a bigger response to on here than it hasn't had a sharper drop since it came yeah, in. Yeah,
1: it's, it's like a Saving Private Ryan,
0: but not made by snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Not made by libtards, I think you <laughs> Yeah, mean. libtards. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Blade Runner 2049 has dropped another 15 <laughs> Probably places. Probably people
1: listening who have... N- 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 no idea about where I stand on things, and I think that's <laughs> um, fresh and, and exciting. Though, the, isn't it? Yeah, the the the, the um, I, I I I'll, I'll probably be um, attacked by all sorts of people.
0: But that's good. I mean, it keeps it interesting. You know, you don't you don't know where your attacks are coming from, right? Yeah,
1: YouTube doesn't seem to know where where I stand politically. Oh, is this
0: the recommended videos that? <laughs> yeah, you Yeah, I
1: think it's because I listen to Norm Macdonald, and because he's he's very <laughs> controversial on on on. on on certain issues for 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 the sake of just annoying people i'd I'd, yeah anyway we we won't get into a discussion
0: of that again (laughs) um political norms political hey all right then so i guess the only thing left to do then is to pick next week's movie uh from the random number generator andrew are we putting the bottom 100 into the mix again this week um i think we've
1: yet to land on one since we've put it in yeah. so um I, I i think we're obliged
0: to okay well with that in mind then andrew i'm gonna ask you to crank up the random number generator and get it spinning
1: i i asked you to to pre-crank this but i i, I guess you i'll can't go ahead leave
0: it pre-crank we talked about this it's a hazard
1: yeah that's true uh, random number generator twist 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 choose us a movie on these lists
0: or something <laughs> or something thank you andrew <laughs> true. And we've uh, arrived
1: at number 189. Exciting. What, uh, what movie is 189 currently on the IMDb Top 250 Movies of All Time?
0: Well, it's an upper, ladies and gentlemen. It's 2004's Hotel Rwanda. Directed by Terry George, um, who also Good directed Terry George, who also directed The Promise, which was a, a movie that was subject to much uh, controversy last year, which was the one about the Armenian genocide. Yeah, so, so kind he's of, got a bit of a niche. He does. He does. Okay. Well, with that in mind, then we will seg. We'll we'll, well listen genocide if- directors i feel like maybe that's not how terry george would like to be described he's not a director of genocide (laughs) (laughs) just to be clear i feel i need to be clear uh, director of
1: architect of genocide.
0: okay that's the act of killing is it Um. my name is paul rusesabagina i am the house manager of the most luxurious hotel in the capital of rwanda the place that my family and I happily called our home, until the day everything changed. Daddy, there are soldiers on the street.
1: They're killing everyone. It's a massacre. The United Nations are here now. We're here as peacekeepers,
0: not as peacemakers. We've got trouble at the gates. This is a four-star hotel, not a refugee camp. I have no means to protect these people.
1: When a country descended into madness,
0: they're killing Tutsi children to wipe out the next generation.
1: No! And the world turned its back. How can they not intervene? Hundreds of thousands are dying. If people see this, I'll say, oh my god, that's horrible. And then go on eating their dinners.
0: One man had to make a choice. All the whites are leaving, even the UN soldiers.
1: All the superpowers, everything you believe in, Paul. They're not going to stop the slaughter.
0: We have been abandoned. There will be no rescue. We can only save ourselves. United Artists presents the true story. ...of a man who fought the
1: impossible odds... I cannot leave these people to die. ...to save everyone he could.
0: They say you led the massacres. You will tell them the truth. I will tell them nothing unless you help me.
1: ...and created a place...
0: Go inside the hotel.
1: ...where hope survived.
0: You're a good man, Paul. We need to help one another. That is the only thing that is keeping us alive.
1: Hotel Rwanda.
0: So, in defense of that trailer, I feel like a movie about the Rwanda genocide is always going to be a hard sell
1: it's it, it's harrowing harrowing i i I've, I've, i feel like th- this might be a movie where 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 i might need to tone down my irreverence uh, ir- a little bit ir- irre- irreverence and, uh, not not be quite so glib maybe actually do some research i i believe rwanda is between burundi and uganda somewhere that uh, uh, i i feel like i could point at it on a map um i'll i'll but 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 i'll i'll, I'll have to um, I'll have to bone up a uh, bit before, before um, in, in, in case I, um, and there, there'll there have to be a lot of, um, I suppose, we should, we, sh- we, sh- we should, th- this is one where we should probably make sure that we don't say any particularly stupid things. Yeah. Although we can't promise
0: anything. No, they, what would be the 250 without saying stupid things? I do find it, like, the movie very much tries to sell the Rwanda genocide as a heartwarming story. Like I feel like the film tries in the, to, in, the, in, the, in, the in the trailer, trailer. well, well to,
1: in 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 the trailer it's a sort of a um uh Schindler's List sort of is, is, is a story about one man's attempt to 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 save um a a group of people from Yeah, there's something... From certain death.
0: There's something very oddly reassuring, though, about the trailer. Like, the trailer... It feels very old-fashioned in the way that... You know, we talked about trailers on this that are basically the plot of the entire movie. And it seems like Hotel Rwanda is very much trying to sell you a version of the movie that promises you a relatively happy ending or relatively I, know, I, I
1: i i think we see lots of um uh depressing uh, and evidence of the genocide as well in yeah. in 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 the trailer it's it's uh, it's i don't know i don't know if it gives a sense of 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 too much uh, revision although it'll be interesting to see how much of that is, there is in the movie oh, no, it, it, like, and I know and I I, I I do quite like Don Cheadle and uh, oh he's fantastic and yeah. I actually to be and, honest and even, even from watching the trailer I think
0: like he's uh, uh, looks terrific in the trailer yeah and it's got a, it's got a very good cast as well with Nick Nolte and Joaquin Phoenix supporting as well yeah um, alright then with that in mind then we will talk about that next week in the meantime you can find us online you can follow me at Darren underscore Mooney you can follow Andrew at A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A. You can follow... Quiniuka, as you know. It just rolls off the tongue. See, now if you state that with enough confidence, that's how you pronounce that. Yeah. Um, Similarly, you can follow the 250 at at the 250, spelled using real letters. You can visit us at the250.com. You can also visit us on SoundCloud now. We have a SoundCloud page where all our recordings are up-accessible. They can be shared and listened to and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, We're not on Snapchat. Yeah, we're working on our Instagram, um, just trying to get it out there, you know? Yeah, We're also not on Facebook yet, I believe.
1: No, 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 certainly not.
0: All right, well, with that in mind then, guys, take it easy and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.